Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us. After going through a tough year, Northeast Ohio restaurant and bar owners are hoping for a much better summer as they hopefully move past the pandemic as we have mask relaxations and more and more people getting vaccinated. Here to bring us up to date on the ever-changing dining scene in Northeast Ohio is Doug Tratner. You can read Doug's columns and scene. You can also catch him as a correspondent on WKYC-TV, and he's also the author of some cookbooks. Doug, always good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, having me, Dan. Good to see you again. Let's start just for a moment talk about the pandemic. Obviously, this was a tough year. Restaurants did try to reposition themselves, but do we have a feel for how many restaurants we lost due to the pandemic over this last year or so? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I, uh, I, you know, you, you hear about the big ones, obviously. Um, there's plenty of small mom and pop neighborhood places that uh, I feel like we may not know um, unless you live in that neighborhood. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, we're, we're, you know, also, I don't think restaurants are necessarily out of the woods yet. You know, I mean, they're they're still dealing with the aftermath of everything that happened in the last fifteen months, um, and they've been kept alive by generous aid, and um, you know, and so we'll we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, I hate to say it, but I think we we did okay. You know, based on the dire predictions that everybody was throwing around at the beginning of the sixty percent, seventy percent. I would say we figured okay. We did better than other cities, you know, because it's more affordable here. The rent is, is lower. Um, people have landlords who are forgiving. They have uh, neighborhoods that are very supportive. So, yeah, I, I'm optimistic that, uh, you know, it, it was not as bad um, as they thought it would be. But, of course, it's not, it's not great. It was easy for some restaurants to make that transition. Pizza places were already for carryout. I mean, that's already part of what their operation. But what about fine dining operations? I'm thinking like a place like the Marble Room, which isn't really a neighborhood place, although there are more people living downtown. But fine dining establishments, how did they survive the pandemic? They didn't. A lot of them. Honestly, that's fine dining took the biggest hit, both here and in a way. It's it's impossible to scale down an operation like Fire and Lola. You know, you can't just say, okay, it's it's me and a cook you know, and a delivery driver, uh, and we're going to offer the same experience. And that's really what it was all about with the fine dining. If you can't offer the same experience to people, you're just not going to try. And that's what Doug said, you know, all those months ago when he said, and really one of the first people to come out and say, you know what, it doesn't work anymore for me and fire. Uh, I, I can't do it. Um, their margins are too low. It's too costly of a, you know, of an experience. So, uh, and without a, a robust crowd night in and night out, spending money on booze and, and, and hanging out, it doesn't work. So we lost fire. We lost Lola. We lost spice. Um, you know, the plum Nighttown. These are just some of the ones. And, and that really was the, the ones that took the biggest hit people who had very deep pockets, you know, could survive and, and they have fortunately. Um, but like you said, you know, if, if you could pivot, you did. If you can't, you know, then you either hunker down and, and hold out or you just you just call it quits. And that's what some of them did. Certainly one of the big topics of discussion here in the last month or so is the talk about can restaurant owners get people to come back to work? What are you hearing from both sides? I, I think there's a lot of sides. I think there's a different side for every single person out there, right? Everybody has their own motivations. You know, to me, I think a lot of people moved on. You know, they said this industry is not working for me anymore. So they decided to change careers altogether. Uh, some people are not comfortable going back out into the public yet. And who can blame them when customers are coming in? You can't tell if they're vaccinated. They're not wearing masks. Uh, and maybe you've got some kids at home or, or elder parents you're taking care of. That makes sense to me. It's just it's we've been seeing a lot of upheaval in the restaurant industry over the past, not just 
15 months, but really two, three years where people are saying, you know, enough is enough. Uh, why, why are we, you know, bearing the brunt of, of, of so much? So it, it, it's all rolled into that. And, and if you think, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, an unemployment check is, is really the, the, the thing that's keeping people home. Um, a lot of people would answer to that. Well, if you if you can't if you can't compete with an unemployment check, you know, for you know maybe you're not paying enough. And, and these are all obviously uh, issues that are that are taken into everybody's consideration. So, um, and and honestly, you know, up until maybe now and maybe even going forward, people aren't sure customer or uh, diners. I'm sorry, servers and and employees aren't sure that diners are coming back. So until you know that you're going to have a robust work experience and make money, um, you know, then then why give it a shot? But I think I'm seeing out there a lot of enthusiasm for, for people dining out and even dining in. This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. You mentioned Doug Katz. While he did close fire, it seems like every time I look at your column, he's opening a new restaurant. Sometimes they're ghost restaurants. Sometimes they're physical places. What's he been doing these last several months that's been able to get him up to speed and be able to keep things going the way they have been? Yeah, Doug is always a you know an innovator in the field. And you know not only was he the first one to, to shutter his fine dining restaurant knowing that it wasn't going to work, he was also one of the first ones to, to, to pivot to, to these ghost kitchen concepts. It worked great for him because he had a, a large catering kitchen that also, unfortunately, was sitting idle because events were were completely shut down uh, due to the pandemic. So he was able to, you know, without any mo- without any extra money, really uh, start uh, these businesses that used a, an empty kitchen. You know, and he opened Amba and Chimmy. These are great kind of delivery only, pickup only restaurants. You don't need servers. You don't need linens. You don't need, you know, a lot of, a lot of the staff in the front of the house. And, and other people soon, you know, saw that model and go, hey, you know, if it's working for him, maybe it can work for me. And maybe they didn't have a ghost kitchen per se, but they had a an idle restaurant kitchen that they could use. So, you know, maybe you pivot to fried chicken or pizza. And that's what a lot of people were doing where you just focus on, okay, I don't need the front of the house staff. I'm still paying rent or, you know, or mortgage on the space, but my, my utilities are down. I have a kitchen to use. I'm going to focus on pickup and delivery. And that's what we saw a lot of over the past 15 months. I've had more fried chicken and pizza in the last, the last year and a half uh, than I probably had my entire life. Let's talk chicken for a moment. A couple of years ago, much to my dismay, every dinner dish I was offered had a fried egg on it, which I wasn't down with, but other people were. Then we went through the seafood in a bag thing where every third restaurant was one of those. And now it seems like hot chicken is the item. So what is this? I have, I have not had it. So tell me what it is. Well, it is it is funny. You know, trends are funny, right? I've been writing about food in Cleveland for, for 20 years now and, and traveling as well. And uh, things come in waves, right? For for a while, it was it was breweries, and then it was uh, barbecue, and and like you said, seafood in a bag, and and, and some stick around, you know, uh, and some don't. Um, but fried chicken, come on, I mean that that should stick around because a it, it's not new, uh, and b it's delicious. Um, but so the you know the hot chicken thing is uh, out of obviously Nashville, where it was made famous, Na- Nashville hot chicken, where it's fried chicken that. Um, it's not just dipped into a hot sauce, you know, at the table. It's actually coated in a very um, incendiary uh, oil and spice mixture. And and some folks do it here and do it well. Sauce the city at the at the uh, the former Ohio City Galley uh, is doing a great job with that. But not just hot chicken. We've seen just an explosion of fried chicken and fried chicken sandwiches. I mean, fried chicken sandwiches became the thing in Cleveland over the past year. You've got uh, the wonderful, obviously, Lock, Stock, and Brisket that uh, does a wonderful job. Larder down in Ohio City does a wonderful job. Uh, chicken Ranch just opened up in, in University Heights. 
And I hear that Noble Beast Brewery has uh, maybe one of the best uh, fried chicken sandwiches in town. I don't know because I haven't tried it yet, but it's on my uh, short list. Let's talk about some of the places that have opened recently, starting with a spot in Beachwood called The Last Page. Yeah, you know, it's nice to see that after after a year, actually, you know, years of really just fast casual, right? I mean, fine dining has been on the on the downslope for, for five years and longer, um, and we've seen fast casual replace it everywhere. And so it's nice to see people spending money and doing a great build out and opening ambitious restaurants like the last page at, at Pinecrest. Kindred Spirit is another one that opened up at Van Aken recently in the former Sawyer's space. Uh, the folks from Forward Hospitality who run the, the great rooftop bar above Garden City uh, took it over when uh, Sawyer's uh, closed and never reopened. And, you know, on that side, we've got a lot of big projects right on the horizon. So it is exciting. I think, you know, everything's cyclical and, and maybe because, you know, people have been so pent up over the past year and a half, they're ready to get out and not just spend money, but celebrate and celebrate in groups. And so, you know, I think uh, restaurant owners are not necessarily confident, but they're optimistic. We mentioned uh, Michael Simon closing some of his restaurants, and I noticed that the uh, B Spot at Eaton closed. That he's going to turn into a Mabel's Barbecue. That was the last B Spot to close, right? That that was the last one. Yeah, that was the last one. Uh, you know, save for I think there's some uh, maybe one in the the First Energy uh, Stadium. You know, so a smaller smaller stands like that. But yeah, you know, and. You know, I, I, I talked to Mike and he, you know, he just said it, it, it was a, a smart business decision. This is not coming from him. It's coming from me. I think it makes more financial sense to have two restaurants that are the same concept opposed to two restaurants with different concepts. You know, unfortunately, he has kind of uh, his his restaurant portfolio has gotten smaller, especially here in Cleveland. So now it's literally just Mabel's downtown and it was B-Spot at, at Eaton. And maybe it makes sense to have those two, two concepts be the same. That way you can play off each other. You can cross-utilize ingredients, as they say, and even cooking equipment. I think Mabel's is just a, a great business model because if you've eaten there, you know that service is so swift. I mean, you could sit down. Barbecue's all front-end work, right? Yeah, all the work has been done. It's been cooking for 14 hours in the back. you know. So um, by the time that you show up, all they have to do is slice it and serve it. Uh, and it's also, it's a high ticket item. So um, it's a quick service, but it's not inexpensive. So to me, that makes a lot of sense, maybe more sense than selling burgers. I would say one of my favorite parts about going to Mabel's is the fact that the sauce is on the side. So it's sometimes my people, are, I think, are afraid to order barbecue out in a restaurant because they know it's going to be a mess. But you sort of control your own destiny the way Michael serves it. Yeah, I'm not a sauce guy. Uh, you know, uh, you, you go out to Texas and uh, the only sauce out there is salt and pepper. And it was done a long, long time ago. So uh, but to each his own. Uh, so, yeah, on the side is the only way to go. I was going to say you don't really need it because it's already flavored enough. If, but if it's something you like, it's there. Yep. So let's talk about what's going on in the flats these days. There's a new spot called Jade. Yeah, so Jade is one of those uh, kind of bigger, more ambitious uh, projects going on down there. That's from uh, Zdenko, uh, who you might know from EXO. And these are two kind of side-by-side -side duplexes. There's going to be four concepts down there all together, right on the river. Uh, we're talking down by Alley Cat over there. And uh, so Jade is going to be kind of a multi-level Asian fusion concept from Zdenko, uh, a more casual first floor uh, with kind of... Uh, steam buns and, and sushi. Then you go up to the second level, it's a little more fine dining uh, with composed plates. And then the, the third floor is a rooftop. And it just seems like it's going to be a great setting. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to see the flats continue to expand down there. Uh, I know that uh, other 
uh, operators down there are going to join him soon. There's, a, I think, a barbecue joint coming down there, maybe a country, a Western bar. And then just up the hill from there, uh, where Zenaco used to operate XO, we're going to get a new restaurant from the, the wonderful people behind Luca. Uh, so they're going to keep their great Italian restaurant on the, uh, the, the viaduct. And they're opening a seafood restaurant called Aqua to Luca. And that's coming up really within a, a couple of weeks. We're talking with Doug Tratner. Doug Tratner is a food writer here in Northeast Ohio. You can read his work in Scene. He's a correspondent for WKYC Channel 3. Plenty of cookbooks and other things about food Doug has written. You can find uh, more about him by visiting his website and other places. So we're glad he's joined us today for The Landscape. We are a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. We thank Medical Mutual for their support for our efforts. Um, we talk about Jade. Let's talk about some Asian food. The rice shop is on the move. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've loved following uh, this chef ever since he came back from Las Vegas. His name is Anthony Zapola, and uh, he was um, really the, the number one or two guy of, of these incredible restaurants out in Vegas. Uh, he's from here. He came back home, and he opened up um, Lock, Stock, and Brisket, uh, which we already mentioned, over in University Heights, its original home. And it just did so well uh, that I think it surprised uh, uh, himself. And when the opportunity came to, to, to move that over to Van Aken District, they, in, in fact, built a, a special spot for him in the, in the Great Market Hall over there. Uh, he did that and then um, uh, uh, also had uh, the rice shop down at the galley, if you remember. He was one of the first tenants in the Ohio City galley. Uh, he, you know, it, it was doing well. The galley itself wasn't doing great for a number of reasons. Um, I don't think anything to do with really the food that was being served there. So he he got out um, and focused on the lock, stock, and brisket was doing so so well. Now at Van Aken, he's got an opportunity to revive it. And it's going to be, I think, uh, the, the third iteration of it because he opened it in Vegas originally, the rice shop. Uh, he opened it in University Heights, and now he's going to bring it back to Van Aken um, <clears throat> probably by the end of the summer. He's getting a new spot. This is not in the market hall. Uh, it's going to be outside the market hall, and it's uh, – it's just, you know, it, it's a it's a fun, fast, casual concept, but it's loaded with flavor, loaded with texture. You know, he's a chef uh, from uh, beginning to end. So just because it, it might be quick service, it doesn't mean it's not uh, great food. One of the things I've been glad to see over the last decade or so is the emergence of Asia Town as a place to go eat. Besides, there was all a few traditional places, but there seems like more and more. Anything exciting going to happen down there in the next year or so? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's it's always been my favorite place to 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 just explore. You know, I I would go down there and shop at the markets when there was only one or two Asian markets down there because it's it's just you know one of the one of the few places you get everything you need. And we have we've seen it kind of slowly expand from those kind of legacy Chinese restaurants, you know, like Bulong and, and Siam Cafe. And then we saw uh, Vietnamese restaurants like Superior Pho, Number One Pho come. And now, you know, we're starting to see a lot more kind of um, niche places like LJ Shanghai, which everybody can't get enough of. And, and for good reason, uh, with their soup, uh, their soup dumplings um, and their great kind of Shanghai style noodles. And then you're seeing a lot of great Sichuan cuisine. Uh, Sichuan hot pot is one of my new favorites. It's uh, tucked in over there. Technically, I guess we call it Old Chinatown, right by the old uh, plane dealer uh, on Rockwell. But they're doing some incredible foods. So, yeah, I think um, we have uh, a new Korean barbecue restaurant coming in there in a couple months. Uh, it's, it's exciting because we've had Korean barbecue here. We have the great Rising Grill on Payne Avenue where you cook your own food on a, on a gas burner. Uh, but this one seems to be kind of a, a little... Hipper, you know, something you'd see in New York or L.A. where uh, the, the tables have their own little burners and uh, you're uh, enjoying kind of cooking and eating with friends. So that's one I'm looking forward to. Asian food is so encompassing. There's so many different styles. Is there one in Cleveland that we're missing that might be popular in other places? 
You know, I don't think we do. You know, I think, every, first of all, everything's changing, right? And uh, even in New York, it, it's always changing. But, you know, I think um, this, this Korean barbecue thing that's coming in is really one of the things that we really don't have. We have a great Korean barbecue restaurant uh, already, a couple, a couple of them, actually. But, you know, these kind of hip, trendy places where uh, every table can kind of sit around and have uh, really kind of interesting, small tastes, um, maybe more exotic cuts of meat. Um, so I'm, I'm confident that, uh, that's going to kind of maybe put the, the, the next fill up on, on Asian town. One thing I don't think we've really touched on is Italian food, new place out in Chagrin Falls. Yeah. Eddie Tancredi, who you might remember from Adiga, uh, he was, uh, uh the, the chef there for a while. And then he was over at Distilled Table in Lakewood. He is doing a, uh, a, a very casual Italian thing called Italian, his initials, E-T, uh, Italian, uh, but it's such a, a unique spot. It's a it's a place that's never been a restaurant. It's a small brick building right there on the Upper Falls. So it'll be nice to kind of activate that space. It'll, you'll have a great view of the um, the water, and you'll probably have pizza, some subs, some salads. Nothing you know, nothing over the top. But um, I think it's a great kind of uh, way station for him because I know he's got uh, a lot of plans. He's a he's a talented chef, and um, so. It'll be nice to see him back in the kitchen. The uh, melt that was on the corner of uh, Cedar and Taylor in Cleveland Heights closed recently and going to be replaced by a spot called Haunted House. Yeah, Haunted House. You know, I, I, I walked in. I was I was blown away by the artwork. They, they've got original murals everywhere. You know, it's funny to think of these theme restaurants because, you know, in a way, Melt was a theme restaurant, right? You know, it's it's the, the theme was 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 grilled cheese, but also Cleveland and memorabilia and sports and I think people just love, you know, themes. Good night, John Boy just opened up in, in the flats. It's a it's a straight up 70s style disco and people just go crazy for that stuff. It's fun. And if you can't have fun doing that, you know, maybe you're, you should look in the mirror uh, because haunted, ha- <laughs> haunted houses, you know, that that too could be fun. You know, it's not scary. They're not going to hide behind the booth, I hope, and, and, and scare you while you're taking a bite of food. But the uh, the, the theme is, uh, you know, great, great kind of horror uh stars and uh, characters from from movies past so i don't think the food will be crazy you know themey it'll just be good food but it served up in a fun atmosphere so neither sleet snow gloom of night stops us grilling at the paletta household but for summertime that's most of the time the grill comes out we do it all year long i follow you on instagram you're always cooking up fun stuff on the grill what's something we need to grill this summer we haven't tried yet here's something i think everybody should do you know get get a a nice uh, big slab of steel and and start griddling on on the grill uh, i've done it now um, a million times and maybe you've seen these people doing smash burgers where you you, you slice onions really really thin uh, a mandolin would be helpful and we're talking small burgers you know maybe maybe three ounce burgers uh two ounce burgers if you want to double them up you, you put that griddle on the on the on the grill and you get it smoking hot um, throw down a little a little butter uh, put down the the, uh, the onions and, and the meat the meat patty and just smash it with a big heavy grill or a big heavy uh, spatula uh, toast up the buns with a little butter and put some American cheese on there that's uh, it's fun and you know every time you can cook outside is, is a good thing it's less cleaning inside less smoke uh, I also use my side burner uh, on the grill if you have one if you're lucky enough to have one uh, use it like I do because you know you can make fried chicken. You can cook on the walk out there. Again, you're saving uh, cleanup inside. So take advantage of the side burner. If you're looking for meat, because everybody's looking for meat, if, if you know how to set up an indirect grill, ribs are always great because they don't take as long as brisket. Uh, you can cook them in, in, in two, three hours, put them on the uh, the side of the grill without heat, um, and you'll uh, you'll 
be enjoying great barbecue uh, at home. Yum. Doug Tratner, let's eat. That sounds great. Doug Tratner, we're always glad you can join us. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. You can read Doug Tratner's work and scene. As we mentioned, he's also a correspondent for WKYC Channel 3 and has plenty of cookbooks out. We're glad he could join us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta, for our producer, Cody Smith. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. 